everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins, Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And this is our 41st episode. As many of you guys know, this last year has been really tough for me losing several of my family members, and it got me thinking that... It's a good idea to have all of your ducks in a row in case anything is to happen to you. And, you know, for the first time in my adult life, I started thinking about like very grown up things like life insurance and and things like that. And I started doing some research and I actually came across this company called Health IQ and they're a life insurance agency that actually offers savings to very healthy people like vegans and people who lift regularly. And I thought that that was really cool. So I started doing some more digging and learned some interesting things. So some things I didn't know were that vegans have 15% lower risk of all-cause mortality. Vegans have 34% lower risk of female-specific cancers. And people who strength train at least twice a week have 41% reduction in early death from heart disease compared to people who don't lift. Um, But when you think about it, oftentimes we end up paying the same prices for insurance as people who are a lot less healthy. And this life insurance agency, Health IQ, actually can save you quite a bit of money if you go and take their Health IQ quiz and, you know, prove to them that you're vegan and you lift and you're healthy and they take you all the way from the beginning of like taking that quiz all the way through starting an application and underwriting the policy and all of that stuff that you know can be quite overwhelming they kind of hold your hand all the way through that and I personally just think that that's really cool and it's something I didn't know about so I thought maybe I could pass this information on to you guys and you know perhaps it could help some of you out if you were thinking about doing this, but you weren't really sure uh, if you're going to go that route, this is definitely a cool route to go. So if you want to see if you qualify, you can go get a free quote at healthiq.com slash vegan proteins, or you can mention vegan proteins when you call and talk to a health IQ agent. But definitely if it's something you've been thinking about, you have nothing to lose by checking it out. So I highly recommend going and taking a look because it could save you quite a bit of money just because you are living a healthier lifestyle. everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in again. It's been a little bit since our last episode, but that does not mean we have not been cranking out content. We've been working really, really hard on writing articles and making YouTube videos and all that stuff. We actually just launched our first ever program, which is really, really cool. We're very excited about it. Uh, A little nervous because it's different than what we normally do, but I think it's going to be really helpful for clients that maybe don't need that one-to-one sort of constant monitoring, constant hand-holding, but still have fat loss goals they want to achieve. You know, there's a benefit to hands-on coaching and there's a benefit to hands-off coaching. And, you know, more often than not, we get people that come to us that don't necessarily want someone to coach them directly, but they do want some sort of program to follow. Yeah, they just want a plan. And this is a plan, like a periodized workout program for 12 weeks, but they also get custom calculated macros by us updated throughout the program. And probably my favorite thing about the whole thing is that there are lessons every couple days about not just what to do, but why it also works. So you're learning something about your body and about fitness and nutrition as like a takeaway. So you don't just end the program with a better physique, but you also end it with like tools you can take with you for the rest of your life. So it's kind of like a program as well as a course combined in one. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I mean, I have literally spent the last six months building this thing like from the ground up and being like a super perfectionist about making sure every little bit 
makes sense and is going to be applicable to a large number of people. And also building an app. Hello. Yeah. And I mean, you've been building this for the past six months, right? But we've been thinking about how to best do this for years. Because I mean, you know, we could just could have just easily churned out some sort of like a workout or a nutrition program or something like that. But we didn't want to do something. You know, we wanted to do it right. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast that way back when I first got started coaching, we did meal plans where somebody could just buy a meal plan. And that's cool. And some people got some really good results with it, but it never like sat right with me to write somebody a meal meal plan and then just like send them off into the night and maybe never hear from them again, because yes, it would work, but not forever. You can't live on a meal plan forever. So when we stopped doing that, I said, I'm never doing that again. Like that didn't feel right to me. So coming up with a system so that we could help a lot of people, but that still felt right. Um, I feel like we're finally we're finally there, and I'm really excited about it. So far, the feedback has been good. It's still pretty new, but if you guys want to check that out, definitely check it out. If you've ever inquired about coaching with us and we've had to turn you away because we've been booked, now there's, now there's something you can check out. In other exciting news, we have a lot of events coming up that I wanted to just let you guys know where we're going to be in case anybody wants to come hang out. Um, we are going to be at the San Jose Fit Expo on July 21st and 22nd. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to be at the Anaheim Fit Expo August 25th and 26th. And then we are going to be at the Olympia. Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness has a booth at the Olympia. This is like on this is literally unprecedented. It's never happened. It's wild. I'm honored to be there and be a part of that. But that's in Vegas and that is September 14th and 15th. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to come out especially vegas i think that one is going to be huge it's going to be quite the vegan scene there uh so yeah totally come out hang out with us after not traveling for the past couple years like this is a bit overwhelming but it's also really exciting and i couldn't think of a better time to to do it because you know veganism getting out into the mainstream fitness world like this it's never happened before and so far so good i mean everywhere we've gone we've got great feedback there is crazy shit going on in the vegan world right now. Natalie Matthews, which, by the way, I called it. Everybody note that I called it <laughs> when I said bet on her. She won her IFBB Pro card on Saturday, and that was insane. And at the same exact show, Tori Washington won his IFBB Pro card. It's like just out of control and the coolest thing is that i i know for a fact as these are two personal friends of ours that they are both 100 percent natural drug-free athletes yeah and they're you know holding their own in an untested organization really really admirable also shout out to our own clients jenny harrison my my girl just won her wnbf pro card this weekend which is awesome and my client robin competed in his first show ever and killed it i was so proud of him yeah anyway that's enough gushing we've gushed <laughs> enough right now um so giacomo you have some big news what's going on in your world right now oh man i'm still having an existential crisis over this i i i've I think it has <laughs> I think this is the reason why I've been largely quiet on social media the past two weeks because I have this inner turmoil of just accepting the fact that I, I've been this hybrid athlete that does both powerlifting and bodybuilding and at this point like I'm at a crossroads and basically, long story short, I'm switching over from competitive powerlifting to competitive bodybuilding. He's coming home, people. He is coming home. You know, and the the thing, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's bittersweet for me. And uh, it's not bittersweet for me because, like, you know, the, the words that have rang true in my head over and over again are your words, Danny. And they are basically to never forget to keep the goal the goal. I wish that was my quote. I actually got that quote from my own coach, Alberto Nunez who got that quote from somebody else. Uh, I don't know where this quote started, but I think it's really relevant, especially because you can get so lost in your own fitness or athlete journey that you kind of forget what you set out to do in the first place. So 
That I, I did not realize that you got that quote from Birdo. Yeah, and he got it from someone else. Which is incredible for me because that's who I'm going to be working with to see the rest of this, which is now going to be a five-year off, in, intentional off-season from bodybuilding. He's going to be the one bringing me to the stage. So. Zing. Wow. Um, the hard part for me is the fact that I had a, a short-term goal that I hoped to hit in powerlifting, and that was to qualify for nationals, which just basically means that you have a certain total number of pounds lifted between your three powerlifting movements, your squat, your bench, and your dead. And, uh, you know, it's an accolade. It's a benchmark. It's something that I thought I would get to. I was about 30 pounds shy. You know, my, my total was 1,230 pounds. I need another 30 pounds. Uh, started racking up some injuries. My body wasn't having it. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess that's the gift and the curse of being a hybrid athlete. It's very hard to do both sports well at the same time. And at this point, I have a cost opportunity that if I continue to do chase this powerlifting goal, I'm going to be moving away from my bodybuilding goals, which, you know, that's what this whole offseason has been. Powerlifting has been more of, of a, a hobby slash passion, and bodybuilding is, is where my heart is. So, with, yeah, with that, I've just, you know, shifted focus, and uh, I'm doing, you know, I'm embracing. I'm sure it's going to feel good in a couple weeks, but in the meanwhile, I've just been doing my best to 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 not break down mentally because like I don't I don't accept failure well but I have to remind myself I'm not failing my goal towards powerlifting and I'm I'm not giving up on it it's just on the back burner and it wasn't my primary goal in the first place it was just something that I got really caught up in wanting to do Yeah well I think you're going to I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised um, with this shift in training with one how it feels uh, how much better your body and joints feel and I think you're going to look better quicker than you think actually you keep saying that but it's it's uh i guess i'll believe it when i see it you gotta trust the process man gotta trust it and you're getting deeper and deeper into your prep i've seen a shift in i guess your behavior and feeling just like you're really getting those contest prep feels i'd say remember how i kept telling you guys this was the most chill contest prep ever (laughs) (laughs) it's taken a sharp (laughs) turn it's taken it's taken a sharp turn into a pretty serious feeling contest prep at this point. But you know what? I made it like five and a half, almost six months of it feeling really chill. Like I was able to lose almost 20 pounds relatively easily, right? Relatively easily. Like it wasn't easy, but it wasn't um, kind of impeding on my day-to-day life. And right now we're at the point where prep is impeding on my day-to-day life. And of course, you know, I knew there was going to come a point where that was going to happen. And folks, we there. Um, I have about seven or eight pounds left to go. And they are hanging on for dear life. And we're taking, you know, more and more measures to start getting those bits off of me. Um, But it's just a reminder that contest prep is no joke and you will hit a point where it crosses the line into what is not considered healthy for most people and I am you know I'm crossing that line right now and I can feel it um in the fact that I you know there are times where I don't want to stand up or the energy that it will take to speak to somebody is kind of more than I can bear um And I know it's just going to be for a short period of time. And this is the reason why I personally can only maintain my, my contest shape for a limited period of time, because you can't, you can't live like this. It's not a healthy way to live. Um, and you know, the food focus, I don't want to say it's even food focus that's setting in because I'm past the point of hunger. Like I've was, I've been hungry for months And now my body is like kind of no longer feeling hunger or I'm unaware of those hunger cues uh, even turning on anymore. The exhaustion is so much deeper than belly grumbles. Like it's way, way past that. It's to the point where like, yep, we are exhausted to the core. It's a special kind of feeling that I don't think you can... No, unless you've been there. And I don't, again, I reiterate strongly, it's not a place anybody should live. Um, however, there is a lot of, there's a lot you can learn about yourself from being in that place and what you're capable in a place 
where you have nothing. Like you are literally finding fuel in an empty tank. And when you can do that, the amount of discipline that you can learn from yourself in that state, like once you actually have fuel and energy again, you're like a machine. You're just like a monster. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's getting hard. Um, I think my first show is going to be either the first week in August, which I don't think I would be a hundred percent ready for, but I might do it just to get the jitters out anyway. Um, and other than that, I think it would be the first week in September would be the first like real show. That How many I'm shows do you think you're going to do? I'm going to do as many as I possibly can. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see what that ends up being because I have big goals and I want to chase them. And I want to, uh, as Natalie says, do whatever it takes to achieve them. And I know that once this contest prep season is over, like I'm not going to step on stage again for years, probably Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless my body decides to magically overnight turn into something that it's not. I won't be on stage again for at least two more years at the absolute bare minimum. So we're going to squeeze every last drop we can out of this contest prep right now. And you prep like what, like nine months by the end of your prep roughly? Yeah. So you, you, you get, you get your, you know. Well, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds worse than it is because I won't have been in a deficit for the entire nine months uh-huh. because I've, by the end of this, I'm going to have taken four or maybe even five diet breaks. So out of the nine months, I mean, I would think it's probably going to come out to be more like seven and change. But the destination is still dieting down for nine months as opposed to gaining muscle. Correct. And that's in a bodybuilding world that could be seen as just time wasted. And that's what we see a lot of people try to do is stay too lean and just waste time being too lean and not making any progress. So you get in, hit it hard, do a bunch of shows and get out and make progress again. Yeah. So, okay, here's what we're talking about today. This is a a highly requested episode that we have put off for far too long, but we have our reasons, and that is supplementation. Let's talk, we're going to talk about supplements, um, being vegan, being an athlete, and supplementation. And I think the reason that we put this podcast off for so long is because we ran a supplement store for almost 10 years And to make a podcast telling people what supplements to take while we ran a supplement store seemed just, like, um, incredible, I guess. Like, What do you mean by incredible? Not incredible like that. Uh, It just seemed like it could very easily be misconstrued as inauthentic. Mm. Like, we were just trying to get people to buy crap from our store that maybe wouldn't help them. It's like when the GNC guy tells you exactly what you need to take. It's like the adverts that are eight pages long look like an article. Like, wait a minute, I'm reading a sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we didn't want to do that. So now, I mean, we have, we don't have the supplement store. So now we feel a little bit better about talking about what supplements we really, really believe um, can be helpful. Like, do you even need supplements at all? Uh, supplements that might benefit vegans specifically. So we are going to dive in. So before we even start talking about the efficacy of different supplements and which ones are more valuable than others, I guess the first question that, you know, we need to ask ourselves is, do we even need to supplement? And I think large, in large part, the answer is no. Mostly. Mostly no. There's a but. And uh, the but is that there are certain... There are certain things that I feel are valuable, not just for vegans. I mean, yes, they could be potentially more valuable for vegans, but I think on the whole, just because of modern society and what we've done to the earth to strip it of its resources, that everyone, it would behoove everyone to consider some supplementation across the board. So the number one supplement that I think every... Everybody, everybody, everybody should be taking is vitamin B12. And I know that there are vegans out there who disagree with this and say, like, you can get it from all these other foods and, like, mushrooms and nutritional yeast and all that jazz. But, like, just take the vitamin B12 because the risks of becoming vitamin B12 deficient are 
irreversible. We're talking brain damage. Basically, like you can you can get permanent brain damage, irreversible, once you become deficient in B twelve, and it literally takes, I think something like five to seven. ten years. It's like seven. Seven to deplete your stores of B twelve, and once that happens, like, you're in trouble. And I guess like not to talk about the the important, like not to go off tangent here about the importance of B twelve, um, but I feel like this is one of those supplements where people kind of like to point fingers and say, well, you know, B twelve B twelve is something that vegans are at higher risk of. But here's the thing, my friends. Yes, maybe there's some more. There's a little more B twelve present. Um, from in animal-based foods, but guess what? Like, if, if you're using that logic not to supplement B12, you're going to be in freaking trouble one day. Like, there's a high, there's a, a higher risk than you think for everyone. I don't care how healthy you eat, vegan or not, to become deficient in B12. Well, I think that's important to note is that vitamin B12 deficiencies are pretty much consistent across the board, whether you are vegan or not. So meaning it's pretty much the same percentage of non-vegans are vitamin B12 deficient versus vegans that are vitamin B12 deficient. So it runs the gamut across most people of various backgrounds that it's very easy to become vitamin B12 deficient. And everybody, in my opinion, should be taking it. And I think this is like one of those discussions where people try to become like, too natural and like i don't need supplements blah 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 because i eat healthy and oh well like you know i'm a healthy non-vegan or i'm a healthy vegan so that means that i can get away without taking it like because i'm smart and i know what i'm doing but no like it's just not the way that it works and do not take that risk i i honestly i think there are a few things that piss me off as much as watching people tell other people that they don't need to take vitamin b12 online and because we admin some massive vegan groups. We see it all the time. And uh, as an admin, I'll just go in and straight up delete those comments because I think they are downright dangerous, honestly. I think giving that information to people is just dangerous. And, like, what's the risk of taking B12? Maybe you'll pee some of it out. Oh, heavens, not that. As opposed to the risk of being deficient, like, death. Brain damage and death. Those are the risks that you run there. Um, so yeah, that is, I would say, honestly, I would say that is the only supplement that I would say is 100% non-negotiable across the board. Take vitamin B12. Cinnacobalamin is often vegan. That's one source. Methylcobalamin is a better absorbable source of vitamin b12 so if you can find a vegan methylcobalamin source that's the one that i would recommend um there are some others that are coming out that are getting some research but frankly i don't know enough about them to say one way or the other but methylcobalamin seems to do the trick next protein powders yay or nay to me protein powder isn't really a supplement a protein powder is a food in my own opinion. I have to agree with you. Like, I just look at it like a, a food source. Like, yeah. maybe they've extracted the protein from peas or rice or hemp or whatever. But, I mean, to me, that's just a food like any other protein food, mm. like tofu, tempeh, seitan. So, do you need protein powder? Absolutely not. Even as vegan... And I, I did this in my What I Eat in a Day video just to prove a point that I hit 130 grams of protein with low carbs, low fat, with no protein powder, with no problem. And since then, my carbs have gotten lower and my protein has jumped up to 160 grams of protein a day. And I'm still doing it without protein powder. But that's, my, that's a personal preference just because I don't particularly like protein powder. For others, that's not the case. For others, people really like it, and it's super convenient. You know what I don't like? Buying too many expensive packaged vegan meat products. Like, I love them, but they get pricey after a while, and I can make them on my own, but you know what else I don't like? Cooking. (laughs) So, I could spend eight hours in the kitchen making vegan meats for the next month that are economical, and maybe buy a couple packaged treats, or I could just... Grab some protein powder quick before I, you know, before I go out to train and when I come home. And so for me, 
protein powder is about convenience mm-hmm. more than anything. And then the other thing is like, honestly, and, and, I, and I'm not saying this in like a bragging kind of way. It's just a fact of the matter. I'm bulking hard. I'm always freaking full. And I'm literally, and I, I'm sorry to say this in front of you because I know you're starving. I'm not. And like liquid calories help me get the food down without just getting completely tired of giant bowls of food in front of me. Which for me is the complete opposite because I am essentially, I'm calorie deficient right now. The idea of drinking calories is like blasphemous to me. So protein powder, not my thing really. Uh, In the off season when I'm in your position and I'm eating a lot, I can easily throw a protein shake in there just to help get those calories in. And it's very, very quick. Um, Another thing, but I think, I think the thing that I wanted to point out here is so many people come to veganism and the very first thing they think is, okay, what, what vegan protein powder do I need? I need to get a vegan protein powder. And it's like, you totally get one. Like if you want to get one and try a bunch of them out, find one you like and what have you, but you don't, have to nothing bad is going to happen to you if you don't rush out and buy the nearest vegan protein powder i guess this is the way that i would look at it before you went vegan were you consuming a protein shake if the answer is yes then find yourself a vegan protein because it's an easy swap yeah if the answer is no then maybe you know think about it but it's not necessary yeah so a couple of brands that we really really love in terms of protein powders and i as you can probably tell, I am very picky about protein powders. Um, I love the Elevate Nutrition chocolate brownie flavor. Fine. And I would also recommend New Zest is a great pea-based protein powder. True Protein has a maple French toast, maple banana French toast. That sounds right. That is bomb. And then Clean Machines chai-flavored lentine protein is probably, in my opinion, the healthiest protein powder on the market. Um, so those are three that we really, really dig. There's lots of other ones. There's, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Vega. Plant Fusion was my favorite for many years. Um, it's only recently been replaced with the Elevate uh, chocolate. And Sun Warrior makes some good ones as well. But if you're concerned about the amino acid profile of plant-based protein powders versus whey-based protein powders, I think that that's not really much of an issue anymore because every single company is coming out with blends that have both pea and rice and sometimes some other protein powders in there to make the amino acid profile comparable to whey. That said, as long as you're eating enough protein over the course of a day, you're probably going to be just fine in terms of protein quality if you're eating a variety of foods. Yeah, for sure. As far as sports supplementation goes, by and far the most valuable supplement, not just in my personal opinion, but it's also widely accepted as being the most valuable supplement is creatine. Creatine, monohydrate, hands down, not only is it the most valuable supplement, it is also one of the safest supplements to take. Creatine is something that is naturally present and occurring in our body. Our body manufactures it to some extent. And you, you know, you can basically make it so that you can top off your creatine stores. You can supplement with creatine to enhance your performance to the point where your creatine stores are basically always topped off and it's completely safe to metabolize. And basically what it does is, I guess the the most simplest way to explain it is that it prevents you from going to failure uh, sooner. So basically, let's just say, for example, you have a set of 10 reps without creatine supplementation at a certain working weight you'll fail at eight with creatine supplementation you'll fail with the same weight at 10 reps so it's not going to put on muscle for you but it is going to help you become able to build muscle it's going to enhance your performance basically 
I've been personally, like I've been supplementing with creatine on and off since 1994. Any time that I've trained, basically, I've supplemented with creatine, and I, you know, I get my yearly physical, and there's absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever with my body. And uh, there's just so much research and data out there supporting the fact that it is not only an incredibly safe supplement to use, it's important. There's there's even evidence out there that, you know, lightly active to sedentary um, older individuals can benefit um, through creatine supplementation to maintain uh, their their skeletal muscle mass and their bones. So, I mean, I, I just think it's like such a valuable thing to consider taking. Now... Here's a thing that that you'll you'll hear when it comes to the differences between vegans and non-vegans. So creatine, just as it's naturally occurring in our bodies, it's naturally occurring in animals' bodies. So when when someone who is not vegan consumes an animal product, they're going to inevitably get some creatine from that animal. So their stores will be slightly higher than uh, than our stores. But guess what? They're supplementing with creatine too. And here's the thing. It's you can't get any more. You, you top out your stores and that's it. So basically, it's a level of playing field across the board. You might get uh, somewhat slightly of a, a, a larger benefit right out the gate for like the first week. You'll see maybe more of a noticeable difference. But after the first week when your creatine stores are topped off versus a non-vegan's creatine stores are topped off, the, the net results are the same. Yeah, and creatine monohydrate is vegan. A lot of people say, well, what's a good vegan brand of creatine? Creatine monohydrate, unless it says something on the label like from beef specifically. It's all it's all made synthetically in a lab. So uh, you can get the cheapo version as long as it's creatine monohydrate and uh, it's going to do the job. Also, just a little side note, most creatine labels say something like, take two tablespoons every day for the first couple of weeks, and then you can level off. But you don't actually have to do that. You can just start with a much smaller dose of, like, anywhere from three to seven grams, depending on your size, a day, and it's going to fill up over time. The risk you run with doing something like two tablespoons for the first couple weeks, it's just it can cause some digestive discomfort if you're taking too much of it at first. But this is just the manufacturer's way of, one, getting you to go through it faster, but two, you'll fill your stores up faster. So if you don't have any uh, GI distress from taking a lot of creatine, you can go ahead and do this if you're just starting up, um, but you don't have to. You can just start with small doses and just keep that the same throughout. Today's episode of Muscles by Brussels Radio is proudly sponsored by Health IQ, a life insurance company that specifically rewards vegan lifters for their health-conscious choices with lower rates. I found the application process to be pretty cool. Should you have a nutrition journal, like MyFitnessPal, for example, you could submit your data to them, and they will reward your health-based choices, like eating plant-based, with some of the lowest quotes that you can possibly find out there, because they're catered to you. Vegans have lower all-cause mortality rate, a lower risk of heart disease, and a lower risk of cancer. So why not take advantage of the savings we receive for living a more health-minded life? Head over to healthiq.com forward slash vegan proteins to both support our show and to see just how low of a rate you can qualify for for being the healthy person that you are. Uh, The next one we wanted to talk about was EPA and DHA, omega-3 fatty acids. So uh, in, in non-vegan circles, this is usually fish oil capsules, and obviously we don't consume fish oil capsules, but that doesn't mean that EPA and DHA are not important for us as well. So what are we to do? Well, if you read a lot of chit-chat on the interwebs, you might believe that we can just get all the EHA and or EPA and DHA that we need from flax seeds and chia seeds and things like that. And it's not really true. And here's the reason. So you've heard of omega-3s. ALA, alpha-linoleic acid, is an omega-3 fatty acid that when we eat it, we convert it to DHA and or EPA. But we don't actually know the conversion rate. Everybody's conversion rate is going to be a little bit different. And to my knowledge, there's no test to find out what that is. So 
You could eat a lot of ALA, which is found in flax seeds, chia seeds, various nuts and seeds, and maybe not convert very much of it at all to EPA and DHA. So in my opinion, it's better to just go straight to the source and consume a DHA EPA supplement. Now, fish are naturally high in DHA and EPA. Where are the fish getting it? The fish are getting it from algae and plant life in the water. So there are now multiple companies that make algae-based DHA and EPA supplements. And this is awesome because when I first went vegan, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing like this out there. And now you can actually find it. So brands that we really, really love, Testa, Deva, uh, Ovega makes one. Those are the ones that we really, really like. And the reason why DHA and EPA are important is innumerable. It's something, again, that I feel like everybody across the board should probably be taking a DHA EPA supplement, athlete or not. Um, For general health purposes, it really helps with brain health and cognitive function. It helps with inflammation in the body. So one of the only dietary ways that we can decrease inflammation in the body other than cutting out alcohol um, is to increase our omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, uh, preferably with DHA or EPA. And yeah, this is a really easy way to do it. I actually ran my numbers back when my shoulder was very frozen um, to see like roughly what my three to six ratio was. And, and I was taking a DHA EPA supplement, but just all of the oils that were in my, um, the, some of the processed foods that I use, some of the mock meats that I use, um, things like veganaise, even my avocado, peanut butter, some like my whole foods too. Even when I spread all that out, it was still like a one to 10 ratio, meaning I was getting 10 times the omega-6s to omega-3s. So I had to, because I was dealing with a lot of chronic inflammation right then, make a conscious effort to bring down the amount of omega-6s I was eating via oils, peanut butters, things like that, and increase the amount of omega-3s I was eating. So yes, I increased my flax seeds, chia seeds, because I'm not saying these are not good for you. They're very, very good for you. But I also wanted to go straight to the source and I doubled my DHA EPA intake, um, which you do have to be careful of. You don't want to go too, too crazy um, increasing the DHA EPA because too high a dose of that can actually cause um, clotting issues where you your your blood doesn't clot properly. So Um, We probably should have stated this at the beginning of this podcast that you, before you start throwing supplements at yourself, you should get blood work done once a year to find out what your levels are at. Because certain supplements you can pretty much take without risk year round. The B12 is a good example of that. But there are certain supplements that if you're already fine and your levels are fine, taking too much of them can have negative effects as well. So in spite of everything that we're saying on this podcast, like, hey, these supplements might be helpful for you, get your blood checked and find out before you just start arbitrarily taking supplements. I did want to add to the EPA, DHA um, discussion. One other thing that is really important and worth mentioning about it is that it helps raise your good cholesterol and your good cholesterol is what helps you your body basically scrub the plaque out of your arteries so i mean you know most people i would care to wager weren't born vegan so at some point or another like the dietary cholesterol basically builds up over the years maybe you've become or even worse off you've had heart disease having high uh, good cholesterol is actually incredibly good for your body. It helps your heart work more efficiently by literally getting rid of all that crap that's that's causing blockages. 
Uh, I can tell you this for a fact. Before I started supplementing with EPA and DHA, I had my physical, and then I started taking it, and then a year later, I had my physical, and my good cholesterol like went through the roof, and the doctor was shocked. They're like, wow, you're never going to get heart disease. Not only is your bad cholesterol low, but your good cholesterol is high. Like You're basically like, that's it. Your, <laughs> your heart health is, is immune. It's <laughs> so anyway, my point is... Um, it, it's good for you. It's it's excellent for heart health. The other thing that's worth mentioning, though, that this is a very pricey supplement. It can it can get costly. It is of all of the supplements that we are going to talk about today. I would say this is probably the priciest supplement, mm-hmm. especially if you're taking like the recommended dosage of getting anywhere from one to three grams of combined DHA and EPA per day. Cost wise, it adds up. Um, however. In my opinion, it's worth it. Uh, we buy our DHA and EPA in bulk from Testa. Mm-hmm. And we do actually have a coupon code for you guys. <laughs> now that I think about it, if you order from Testa, I think, uh, what's the website? Testa-US? I'm not sure, but we can leave it in the show notes. Yeah, if you order this particular supplement from Testa and use the coupon code VEGANPROTEINS, all lowercase, all one word, I believe you get 10% off. Um, But that said, it is the priciest supplement that we mention. Uh, But again, I recommend it to almost everybody. So far, all of the supplements we've covered, I would recommend across the board Mm -hmm. for everybody. And then there's one more that we're going to add to that list, and that is vitamin D. Yeah, and vitamin D is another one of those supplements that uh, across the board, everyone can become deficient in. And, and yes, vitamin D is, uh, is available in, uh, in animal-based foods to some extent, but the fact of the matter remains that statistically across the board, like everyone is equally as vulnerable to becoming deficient Indeed, especially if you live in the northern half of the United States, there's an actual location and above that where they say you should be taking vitamin D at least for six months of the year, like England, all of England should be taking it for six months of the year because we just don't get as much sunlight above a certain uh, degree. Yeah, and here's the kicker. If you live in a place that gets plenty of sunlight, but there's lots of tall buildings or you work in an office all the time, you're not getting sunlight. <laughs> yeah. And for many people, even if you are out in the sunlight, sometimes that's not enough. Some you're, you're still not at risk of not getting enough vitamin D3 or vitamin D from sunlight. So there's two vitamin Ds. There's vitamin D2, which is vegan, but it doesn't absorb super well for most people. And then there's vitamin D3, which absorbs a lot better, but historically has not been vegan. It's been made from animal sources. So uh, when I went vegan, it was 2003 or something, um, we just took vitamin D2 and we had to take a lot more of it. Um, but now there is vitamin D3 being made from lichen, which is like an algae mushroom type of plant. And they can synthesize vitamin D3 from it. So you can get a vitamin D made from lichen that absorbs the same as animal-based vitamin D3. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I believe that you can become deficient in D quicker than you can become deficient in B12. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, So vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble vitamins. And we go through those faster. However, because they're fat-soluble vitamins, we also store them in our fat, in our body, which means that you can take too much of them and you can get vitamin toxicity from these four vitamins um, much more easily than a water-soluble vitamin. So again, this goes back to get your levels tested. You have to get your levels tested before you just start arbitrarily throwing stuff at your body. I think that's the responsible thing to do. And just every adult that has access should get their levels checked as frequently as they can, really. Um, when we lived in Portland, we lived there for three years. 
and it was about two and a half years in and I was not great about taking supplements. I'm never great about consistently taking my supplements. Like I need to set timers on my phone to remind myself every day. And I was suffering from pretty gnarly depression in Portland. And even though I knew we lived in the cloudiest place in the country, it didn't even cross my mind that it was a vitamin D deficiency until I got my levels tested. And they were like, yes, you are obscenely low in vitamin D. This is super common for people who move to Portland and just don't start supplementing with it. Um, yeah, and once I was able to get that back into a healthy level, uh, I'm not going to say all of my woes went away, but I mean, I felt significantly better. And it's just one of those deficiencies that sneaks up on you and really affects your life. So just to recap from here, we are saying across the board, we would recommend vitamin B12 protein powders if they are convenient for you and it's something you like. DHA and EPA supplements, creatine monohydrate, if you weight train at all, or really if you're like over the age of 50, and vitamin D3. So now we're going to move on to supplements that are, in my opinion, less important, but can be helpful if you are either an athlete or a vegan or both. So these ones are more like if you have the money and you want to give it a shot, go for it. It could be helpful for you. But if you don't, stick to those top five we just suggested and you're probably going to be just fine. So the first one and one that I recommend to a fair number of my own clients is going to be a zinc citrate. And the reason that I recommend zinc citrate is that some plant sources of zinc have phytates in them that make absorption a little bit more difficult. And zinc is important for testosterone production, which obviously as athletes, we want to make sure is going as smoothly as possible. Another reason is because zinc has shown to have slight improvements in thyroid function in terms of boosting one's overall metabolism by about 100 calories a day in the research, roughly, which isn't a lot, but it's something. And when you're a competitive athlete, like every little bit counts. And yeah, I just, I happen to think that if you have any sort of thyroid issues, first of all, you should be talking to a doctor about it, not just listening to a podcast about it. Um, but zinc citrate can be helpful and overall can just help to kind of give your metabolism like a little, a little bit of a boost, which for me is always very, very helpful. Uh, important to note with the zinc citrate, take it with food or you are going to be very nauseous. That is definitely a supplement you want to take with food. Another supplement that's worth considering taking is beta alanine. Beta alanine is going it's going to depend on the the type of training that you do what beta alanine does is it helps athletes who have a, a higher training volume in the sense that you're doing more re repetitions for longer periods of time so say like you go to the gym and i don't know you're a powerlifter and you're doing a, a set of four reps like beta alanine is not really going to have any sort of effect on your training uh, on the contrary, say that you're doing uh, bodybuilding, for example, or you're just doing some heavy volume type of accessory work where you're doing uh, an AMRAP, as many reps as possible of a, any given exercise for like two, three minutes straight, you, you want to try to bust out 75 reps. Beta alanine is something that's going to kick in and it's going to help prevent you from fatiguing and breaking down, which is, you know, the re repetitions that you can get in. Um, with sub with a supplementation like that in your pre-workout can really add up. And that's just going to increase your overall training volume, which of course is going to increase your ability to stimulate muscle hypertrophy. Yeah, and it also, if you're listening to this and you're not a bodybuilder or a power lifter, this is a particularly helpful supplement for um, endurance athletes, like mid-range endurance athletes. So you sprinters, um, people that do like track and field type of exercises, 
this would be helpful for those people because I'm thinking in bodybuilding, like very rarely am I personally doing sets that last longer than 60 seconds. It does happen occasionally. Um, so I do take it again because it's a cheap supplement and it's easy for me to just pop into my pre-workout, but I don't think that it's necessary for most strength athletes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, in conjunction with that carnitine. So carnitine from the word carne, meaning meat, um, is obviously found more in meat than in plant-based sources. It used to be thought to be like a fat burner and that's been debunked like many, many times over, but it does have certain benefits that could be useful to a vegan athlete. In general, obviously, vegans are eating less carnitine than non-vegans. So it would stand to reason that vegans have lower levels of carnitine in their bodies. Um, some studies have shown that L-carnitine, L-tartrate, have shown decreased muscle damage after resistance training um, when they're supplementing with the LCLT or L-carnitine, L-tartrate, which is often not vegan. So you just have to find a brand that is vegan, uh, San Nutrition makes an L-carnitine, L-tartrate that is vegan. I'm sure there are others. I just know that one off the top of my head. It basically, sometimes people think, or often people think that muscle damage is what causes muscle growth. And it's not really true. You can have too much muscle damage to stimulate, um, hypertrophy in the way that we want to. So yes, we need like small amounts of damage, but you don't ever want it to be too much that you can't recover from it properly. So supplementing with LCLT can help to make, make it so you're damaging your muscles less while you're training, you'll recover faster and you'll be able to do it again sooner, thus increasing your training frequency and volume overall. So another supplement that we would recommend um, if you have the money for it, would be L-citrulline. So L-citrulline is an amino acid that's turned into L-arginine in the kidneys, and it is used for cardiovascular health. So supplementation of L-citrulline sh has shown reduced fatigue and improved endurance in both aerobic and anaerobic prolonged exercise. So similar to the beta-alanine, where it would work well for longer sets or somebody who's sprinting or just a straight-out endurance athlete, L-citrulline could be helpful there. So basically, L-citrulline helps with circulatory health. Um, sometimes guys use it to help with any sort of erectile dysfunction. So basically, it is a precursor to a vasodilator. So it helps with circulation while you're training for longer periods of time. Um, with L-citrulline, the dosage seems to really matter. It seems like anywhere between like three to six grams um, is helpful. So if you're buying a pre-workout that has L-citrulline in it, make sure you check and see how much of it is in there. Because a lot of these things can be helpful, but only in the right dosages. And a lot of times with um, proprietary blends mm -hmm. in various pre-workouts and workout supplements, they just put little bits of stuff in there so that they can put it on the label, assuming that you don't know how much is supposed to be in there. So important stuff to uh, look up. Um, and then the last two that I think are worth looking into, but again, this goes back to getting your blood tested um, and getting to the root of the issue are going to be calcium and iron. Typically, this is going to be more geared towards women than men as women lose more calcium and iron simply by being women. So this is definitely, definitely something that you want to keep an eye on when you do get your blood checked regularly. Um, once you're of age, getting bone density scans regularly um, because calcium deficiencies once once you lose a certain once you start losing your bones you you can't rebuild them back after a certain age so it's something you definitely want to stay on top of and if you want to supplement with calcium that may be beneficial to you also iron iron is a very complex supplement iron is a complex mineral in that people's absorption rates seem to vary wildly here 
as to how much iron you actually absorb and what types of iron you absorb better. So this is one that I would definitely say if you suspect that you are anemic, that you talk to your doctor about it because there can be a lot of adverse effects to just taking iron randomly. Mainly digestive issues is a big one. Like you can like poop blood if you take iron and you don't need it. So this isn't one you just want to start randomly taking. You want to get checked for it and make sure that you need to be taking it. And then I would suggest that you, you know, take, take what the doctor recommends there in terms of iron. But it, So I'm not going to say everyone should take iron, but it, everyone should keep an eye on their iron for sure because it's another one of those things like the vitamin D. It kind of sneaks up on you, and when it does, you just start to feel like trash and you don't really know why. Um, so I would say that's an important thing to keep an eye on. Here's one we haven't talked about yet. BCAAs. Everybody asks about BCAAs, which is branched-chain amino acids. I'd love to hear uh, some of your thoughts on it, Giacomo. Well, I was sold pretty hard on it for quite some time. We all were. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the three magic amino acids, isoleucine, leucine, and valine. Like, why, why not just take copious amounts of three of the most important uh, of the essential amino acids for muscle protein synthesis? So here's, here's the thing. Uh, we all really thought that branch chain amino acids were super important. Like I think everybody was pretty sold on it for a really long time. And now it's being like shown and proven over and over again that branch chain amino acids are not superior to protein itself. So like you could have a scoop of branch chain amino acids or you could have a scoop of protein powder and they are the protein powder is more effective. But I also feel like I don't want to just be like branch chain amino acids are completely useless and a waste of money. They can be. They can if you're just throwing it into your supplement routine um, just because then I don't think that that I, th I do think that that is a waste of your money. But I feel like there can be instances where it could be helpful um, if you train in a fasted state. I mean, arguably, you could say that branched-chain amino acids could break your fast. I think, technically, maybe they can. I don't know for sure. But for a long time, it was like, okay, have a scoop of branched-chain amino acids so you have at least some amino acids going through your system while you're training. Um, so I feel like they might be helpful in that situation. I also feel like they could be helpful to just sort of have in your bag or in your purse with you if you find yourself stuck for many hours without a meal. You could, th like, do a scoop of branched-chain amino acids, again, just so you have something floating through you um, until you can get to a real meal, which is the real supplementation here. Um, another situation, I mean, branched-chain amino acids typically are flavored to taste pretty dang good. Mm. So if you have a hard time getting in your water and you want to throw a scoop of that in there to make your water taste better, you can go for it. Of course, there are cheaper ways to do this, right? So, yeah, I think that our, our stance on BCAAs is probably not one that most people want to hear. Like, if you like them, go ahead and take them. Um, but I don't think that there is any real benefit to them over other more complete sources of protein which actually now that i'm thinking about it is really interesting that everybody and i'm not just talking about like us i mean like everybody into fitness was super sold on branched chain amino acids for eons it seems like but the same industry was telling vegans that our protein sources sucked because they're incomplete meanwhile like the number one selling supplement in the fitness industry was incomplete proteins. Right? Like right? almost as incomplete as possible. Right. Like <laughs> anyway, just a little interesting, just a little thing that popped into my head there. Anyway. So I thought people might think it was interesting that BCAAs are actually not on our list of recommended supplements. If you like them and they taste good to you and you tend to fast for really long periods, maybe, maybe beneficial for you, but certainly not like necessary to your stack.
So I can't find the question, but I remember it. Somebody asked me on Instagram, and I'm sorry that I can't find it, um, but they asked about collagen supplements for vegans. You know, I asked if anybody had supplement questions, and this was one of them. And the thing about collagen supplements is that they're mostly um, kind of they're mostly crap, um, vegan or otherwise, because eating collagen doesn't give you more collagen, which is kind of like the non-vegan side of things, right? Um, you know, you eat gelatin and other similar things and you think that you will just produce more collagen. And I guess that would be cool if that was true, but it's not. Um, one thing that can help with collagen production though is vitamin C. So making sure that you're getting enough vitamin C in your day-to-day -day diet is super easy to do as a vegan. So that would be one thing that you could do. Um, oranges, grapefruits, lemons, tomatoes, things like that have a ton of vitamin C. So making sure that you're hitting that. And then if you wanted to supplement on top of that, um, you could. Again, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin. So you could probably take up to a gram in addition to your daily diet just to help get a little bit more vitamin C that way. And that is probably going to be of all the collagen type supplements that you could do to help boost your own collagen production. That's probably going to be the best way to go about it. Another question that I got on my Instagram, um, not related to supplements, but we want to get two questions in here is, is a question basically about vegan keto. And if you can speak to anything about a vegan ketogenic diet? Hmm. Well, I guess my personal standpoint on ketogenic diets are that while they can work for some people from an adherence perspective, there's no real known benefit to a ketogenic diet, meaning that you're no better off for uh for going like ultra low carb as opposed to being more balanced with your carbs and fats and well, whatnot there are some benefits just they don't apply to most people what, what would a be? ketogenic diet was originally invented to help patients with epilepsy okay but for the average person who doesn't have epileptic seizures I think some people talk about ketogenic diets um, for helping them if they have insulin sensitivity. And I think this is kind of like one of those catch-all things where people who are either afraid of carbs or they just feel like they'll feel better eating lower carbs for whatever reason. They just kind of gravitate towards keto thinking it's, it's going to help them, um, anecdotally speaking. But if... Uh, <laughs> I think when it comes to insulin sensitivity, if you're if if that's something that's of concern to you, that's something you want to really prove with a doctor as opposed to just thinking that you have a different reaction to carbs than somebody else. Um, aside from that, I think some people just seem to be able to stick to their caloric um, needs for their goals by going more on the keto side of things. Um, I, I I don't. I can't speak from personal experience because I, I guess in my opinion, you know, <laughs> you have to literally go into ketosis to to convert your energy stores into fuel because you're not getting enough carbohydrates in. So I just don't know why someone would want to consume an inferior source of energy by going super low carbs just to have to convert food into to fuel like like through extra steps as opposed to just consuming carbs and then boom you have food to convert into fuel right then and there to use metabolize faster to feel better with um to function like have better brain function with but that the, like i said once again i think some people just somehow s seem to be able to stick to their diet better um calorically speaking when they go um low carb um well i can speak to that in this last off season um, we did experiment with pretty much as close to a ketogenic diet as I've ever been, um, just to kind of see what happened. And I do think there is value in like treating yourself as a science experiment. So if it's something you're curious about, um, I would say give it a shot and see how you feel. Um, as long as it's not dangerous, then I think a lot of things are worth trying. So anyway, I got down to 60 grams of carbs a day. That includes 
vegetables and fiber. Um, so net carbs were probably around 30 or so. Um, and my fats were close to a hundred a day. So, I mean, I was still eating plenty of calories, um, but it was very low carb just to see if I felt any difference. And I'll tell you that for the first two weeks, I felt like absolute shit. And then after that, I just kind of got used to it. But in terms of body composition, exactly the same. No changes whatsoever when calories were accounted for, um, going low carb, high fat, which is what keto is. And I think a lot of people don't know that. They think keto just means low carb. Keto actually means very high fat, a very high percentage of your calories coming from fat. It's actually not even a high protein diet. It's like a moderate protein diet. It's just a high fat diet. Um, body composition wise, I felt, I mean, nothing changed. Literally my scale weight didn't change, which I at least expected that to change because of the water loss from, uh, fewer carbohydrates being in my system. But I think that was probably mitigated by higher cortisol from feeling like shit for two weeks. Um, just my guess. Um, and now having my carbs be really, really low, um, well, but now, differently, my calories are also quite low. Uh, yeah, I just, it feels terrible, and I always feel better when I have more carbohydrates. Not high carbohydrates, but <laughs> enough carbohydrates. Everything goes better. I think better. I perform better. Um, yeah, so again, I mean, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to try new things on yourself and see what works and give everything a fair shot, take notes, try to learn something about yourself and then constantly keep readjusting because that's how we learn. And that's how we kind of learn our own machine. Um, but overall, I think that vegan keto or keto in general is used as a fat loss tool. And I think for that purpose, it's, it's kind of silly and there's better, smarter ways to go about things. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Vegan Proteins and at Muscles by Brussels. And if you haven't already, please come join us in our Facebook community. It's a group called Muscles by Brussels Radio. And yeah, we really look forward to seeing you there. So thanks so much for listening. My name is Danny. And I'm Giacomo. And we will talk to you soon. Couldn't mean to be out of pick me up.